Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Tonight with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Monday, Monday, Monday. How's the hangover? On a Monday, it's a lot better. When football is fun, when the Jaguars are doing their part, you go back, Jack, do it again. Wheels turning round and round, go back, Jack, do it again. And that's the theme all week long, right here on your home of the Jaguars, 10-10 on the AM, 92.5 on the FM. Don't become a victim of your success. Get back to it. You threw the debacle in the fire. That VCR, right? You do the same thing with this victory, which was phenomenal. Can you learn how to succeed after you win a football game? Jacksonville won two in a row earlier this year before their five-game losing streak. The last time Jacksonville has won three in a row was during the 2017 season. It's hard to believe, but that's where this team is. Because let's face it, good luck trying to figure out the 2022 Jacksonville Jaguars. I can't. Uh, I'm so happy that they performed the way they did yesterday because there was massive concern for me about a scenario where they were blown out last week. I, I thought they quit. And, you know, I had Uche Winari on my program last Thursday night, of course, seven-year NFL veteran, including playing right here in Jacksonville. And he made a point that I found that was very interesting. He said he'd rather get blown out than lose by a point. And Jacksonville had a lot of close games. You know, they blew fourth-quarter leads, self-inflicted wounds, shot themselves in the foot. You heard it all. You as Duval fans. But I really did wonder, could this team completely turn things around after getting smoked in Detroit? Well, obviously, I thought they could win because I predicted them. No big deal there. But now this really becomes a massive challenge. You're going to be taking on the third-ranked total offense in the NFL, or I should say scoring offense in the NFL, a team that gives you nearly 28 points a night. And you're going to be taking on the third best overall scoring defense in the NFL, which is going to be difficult. Dallas only allows 17.6 points a game. Also, for the third time in a week, what, Brady did it, Baker Mayfield did it, and then Dak Prescott did it, orchestrating, you know, double-digit play, 98-yard drives. I... And I'd like to say it's all prevent, but, you know, we saw on Thursday night that it wasn't prevent. They were playing press man uh, was Las Vegas. By the way, press man and, uh, you know, cover, what, coverage zero, whatever it is you want to call, got you Trevor Lawrence. 
Okay? It got you Trevor Lawrence uh, three years ago, late in the season with the New York Jets. But I know how aggravating it is, whether you're a college fan or a pro fan or both, that you get a lead and there's a minute and change left or whatever, and teams just automatically go into prevent, and you're allowed to drive the entire field. That was not the case on Thursday night. But anyway, the point I'm making is Dak Prescott's coming off a, a, a lousy performance. He had a passer rating of like 54, okay, a lot of incomplete passes, threw a couple of picks, and they barely survived Houston. So this week in Dallas, I got to believe – they are going to be fired up. The media is going to be like, what in the hell is going on? You just took on the worst team in the NFL, and you barely survived. You better get things together before taking that trip to Jacksonville. It's, it's going to be a spectacular week here. It really is. And it's all in front of the Jaguars. Win this game. Go to New Jersey and win on a Thursday night. Exercise those damn demons. In Houston, and then it all sets up for the season finale. Who knows? It could be for the divisional title and a opportunity to host a, a home football game, a playoff football game. I mean, who would have dreamed of that after last Sunday? So, great win, total team effort. It's just, you know, amazing how important the turnover to takeaway ratio is. You go plus four. And, and some of the things that we saw in this football game uh, was just so promising. I mean, that offensive line was getting destroyed in Tennessee. All week long, there was criticism about how, you know, this offensive line can't get anything going. It had been, what, four consecutive games that Derrick Henry had not ran for 100 or more yards. His average over those four games were 3.1 yards a carry. Even the talk of Dennis Daly, their left tackle, and I read somewhere in Nashville a week ago that he was called by a member of Tennessee's media as, quote, the worst offensive tackle in the history of the National Football League. Okay? Um, I, you know, hyperbole, sure. How about Trayvon Walker blowing right by him and forcing a sack? How about Shaq Quarterman? I mean, where did he get? Three snaps? Let me find this real quick. I I think Shaq had three defensive snaps in this football game. Unbelievable. What a massive hit on King Henry. Uh, Let's see here. Shaq, Shaq, three defensive plays. That's all. He's a special teamer. And forced a huge takeaway. Josh Allen has been... Under the microscope, and he's been criticized. Give him credit for hanging on to the ball in a very difficult scenario right there on the sideline. Josh Allen able to hold on to it. Dewey. It's like the reincarnation of Dewey. The man's playing hurt. He's an effort guy. He's a blue-collar guy. He looks like he should be flipping pancakes out off of Lane Avenue. He's got that West Coast vibe, or excuse me, West Side vibe about him, he has a huge interception. So it's just one after the other. It led to 20 points for Jacksonville, and it really started this ball game in a tremendous come-from-behind fashion. Because, again, what's so fantastic about this one, you know, I'm just sitting here watching it, and the 10-play drive, you know, 76 yards, 
Uh, King Henry puts up 96 yards in the first quarter. Okay? There's no way. There's no way at that, at that particular juncture in the game that I thought this team could come from behind. And they did. And that's what makes it that much more enjoyable. Huge game for Evan Ingram. Okay, the way he played yesterday, I was kind of like, wow, one year, show me year, $9 million, pay him. Pay the man. You know, a week ago he had some drops. A week ago Zay Jones had some drops. Zay Jones had a big drop yesterday, again on third down. Responded. Little toe drag swag, corner of the end zone. Trevor Lawrence was a monster. Abs- you know, I'm not going to have fun with fans who said he was a bust and it's not going to work. I mean, forget about it. The guy's getting better week after week after week. Bad toe, no bad toe. His escapability yesterday was phenomenal. You go back and watch some of the plays that he made. There's only a few quarterbacks in the world who are able to pull that off. He is fearless. There's been some school of thought because Lawrence hasn't thrown a pick in forever that, well, Trevor, you know, is he's putting it in a safe position. He's putting it where only his guys can get to it. You know, he's not as daring as he could be. Wrong. I mean, look at where these footballs are going. He has been absolutely spectacular. And you know what? I love what he did at the end of the game. I'm not a big fan of waving and pointing at the scoreboard, but you can't have it both ways. I have been begging for emotion. I have been yelling for emotion out of the quarterback. So if he gives it to you, the last thing you can do is turn around and criticize him. All right, his headbutt, I I think it was Jeffrey Simmons, someone on the defensive line, final play of the game. You know, little boys growing up right in front of our eyes. He's only 23 years of age. I I wonder, how did this happen? Did someone get to him? Is this this all part of his normal maturation? But there was fire in Trevor Lawrence yesterday that, frankly, I haven't seen before. And allow yourself to dream for a moment. Why not? Enjoy this Monday night. Enjoy your Tuesday and Wednesday while you're at it. Feel free to have a pipe dream. Feel free at the age of 23 to say to yourself, this is going to be the quarterback of this franchise for the next 15 years. Look at his month. Let me give you these numbers in what Trevor Lawrence has done in the last four Football games. Folks, it's better than any quarterback in the National Football League. Here we go. Uh, this uh, From week nine on, okay? Trevor Lawrence is 125 of 174. That's a completion percentage of 72.3. 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, and zero picks. How's that, J.J.? How are those for numbers? 125, 174, 72.3, 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions. Very good. You and I differ on running the football. You think it's old school football? Um, Useless. I will argue with you there. But one thing that we both pointed out all week long, not against this opponent, If you were going to beat Tennessee, you had to do it with your quarterback. You had to do it with throwing the football. And that's exactly what Jacksonville did. If you have a quarterback, I'd sling it. Like, in in the NFL especially, you're going to get all these penalties. I mean, 
yeah, they ran it all over the Jags and did nothing. Like the, I, I don't, I don't understand the, you know, run it just as much as throw it. I never got that argument. If you have a quarterback who's really good, I understand he doesn't have a ton of weapons, but sling it, man. Let the kid throw the rock. That's exactly what they've been doing the last few weeks, and he looks great. He looks like the guys we watched on Sunday night. You know, he looked like not as good as Mahomes and maybe not as good as, you know, uh, I guess he looked better than Tua last night, certainly. Didn't look as good as Herbert, but he's up there now. I think in a year he's going to be mentioned with those guys, hopefully. Um, not quite yet, but I would say he's he's probably a top 10 quarterback in the league right now. Statistically, he's around top 10 in every major category, and he is escalating. He is getting better as the season progresses. It's hard to think of 10 guys better. It really is, uh, no doubt. And by the way, more quarterbacks went down yesterday, right? You had Pickett go down in Pittsburgh. You had Wilson go down uh, in Denver. Uh, there just appears to be you know, a lot of problems with QBs around the NFL. This entire division is going to have to replenish. They're going to have to rebuild this year. Houston, Tennessee. Indianapolis, all in need of a quarterback this year, either throughout free agency or in the NFL draft. That's why you got to feel good as Jags fans. Because uh, get- like, even if you don't go to the playoffs this year, yeah, you have your guy. Everybody else in the division is like, what the hell's going on? Like, Tana, if you really think that uh, a Will, what's his name, the backup for Tennessee that they drafted is somehow going to be their future, like, yeah, Willis, that ain't happening. Like, at least yeah. from the little bit we saw of him, Houston. They don't know what they're doing. They're obviously going to have to draft a guy. You look at the draft class, doesn't really look like there's that guy, generational talent, at the top of the draft this year. Um, and then Indy is a complete mess. They change quarterbacks every single year. So you have to be feeling phenomenal as a Jags fan with the future. I, you know, I don't care what happens the rest of the way. Well, I do care. But regardless of record, regardless of the set of circumstances, unless something completely goes sideways for Jacksonville during the offseason, I'll tell you right now, they're going to be the favorites in 2024 in the AFC South. Yeah. Uh, 2023, I should say. They are absolutely going to be the favorites. Um, I want to spend a minute here before the break on Doug Peterson, okay? Because... This was a phenomenal week. We, we learned something yesterday that, that I did not know going into the game. And, you know, I, I, I do go on rants here and there about fandom and what you as a fan cares about and what a player or a coach in that building cares about. And it's tough to find common ground because the players and the coaches, they change at – you know, such a, you know, a, a lot, you know, such a, a short tenure. They're here, they're gone. They're here, they're gone. Where you as a fan never leaves. But I thought early this year, everything was just like almost annoying. You know, hey, you've lost eight in a row to Houston. Well, you've now lost nine. Hey, you can't win out in the West Coast. Well, they went out there and they beat LA. Hey, you've lost now 20 in a row to NFC uh, teams, whether it's home and away. Hey, you've lost eight straight at Tennessee. It, and, and unfortunately, that's what happens with a losing franchise. You you have these streaks that are there. There's another one this week, right? You're going to have, here comes Dallas. Jacksonville hasn't knocked off an NFC opponent in 20 games. You're going to have one in a few weeks when you go to Houston, all right? They've lost nine in a row. So they're always there. But I loved his approach 
on Tennessee. I mean, he told everyone who would listen that if you can't get up for a game like this, you're in the wrong business. But when word came out that he actually put together a video showing his football team of the way that Tennessee has handled Jacksonville, the way that Tennessee has talked about Jacksonville as if, in fact, they are the little brother. I like to term it kind of like Florida State, the way they treat Florida. Florida State's the big, tough, macho, tank top, you know, may brush your teeth twice a a week, and and, and Florida's kind of, you know, doing the turtle. You know, Florida's all buckling up right now, and they can't man uh, with Florida State. That's that's kind of my analogy on it. I love that Doug Peterson was smart enough to understand that this game meant so much to the fan base. And he turned around. I mean, look at guys like Arden Key saying he hates Tennessee. Arden Key's played here for 13 games. He bought in. So many other comments that were coming out of that locker room for first-year, second-year guys who, again, were so focused on beating this football team. Doug Peterson deserves a tremendous amount of respect for knowing how to push that very important button. Frankly, I was concerned about that. And if you listen to me regularly, I appreciate it, but you know I've had my thoughts on that on a week-to-week basis where there's not enough into what has happened previously. And I think a lot of that is by design. I'm a new coach. I'm in a rebuild. I don't want to hear that you lost eight in a row because I wasn't the man in charge there. He took this one above and beyond and was able to do it in a way where his football team responded. So he deserves all the credit that he is getting. And if you weren't aware of that, and I imagine some of you out there weren't, uh, you are now. we got to get a hold of that tape. It's a great credit uh, to Doug Peterson. I, I think the tape is gone. I think they, they, what <laughs> they, they do is they take the, the VCRs, tape. they burn everything over there. They're going to burn the victory tape. I got a guy that works in the Jags. I'm going to text him. Yeah, okay. I know a few people. Over there as well. We need to get our hands on that tape. We do. All right, opening comments brought to you by Schmunez Vision. Dr. Neil Schmunez and I have been good buddies for quite some time. You're talking about a man with more than 37 years worth of experience when it comes to your eyes. Let me ask you a question. When you're watching the Jaguars on TV yesterday, can you see down in distance? Can you see the graphics when they put up Trevor Lawrence, you know, is this for that for this amount of yards? And Evan Ingram has caught this amount of balls for this amount of Can you see? Can you see the crawl on the bottom of the TV? Are you squinting? Or do you have to move up to see the television chat? Then all of a sudden, let's say you're not fully invested. Maybe you're reading as well. Do you have to put those readers on when you look back in your phone or your Kindle or no matter what it is? It's bizarre. And we don't give our eyes enough attention we only get one set of them schmunez vision your family organization they focus on personal high quality medical and surgical eye care it could be something that's going on right now you know issues uh, with your cornea it could be a, a cataract scenario where you think that you need cataract surgery you may not what you do is you line up an appointment and you do so immediately they're located out at the beach and their number is 299-2906 or you can go to schmunezvision.com. Dr. Catherine Schmunez is welcome on. You're talking more than 30 years worth of experience when you get to laser eye surgery. Again, 299-2906, or go to schmunezvision.com. Care you can see. It is a victory Monday. We are jam-packed. He's JJ. 
My name is Rick Ballew. We go into the night until 8. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Win and win again. Telling you, people, that's what it's about all week long. Throw away the press clippings. You got your name in the newspaper, congratulations. Throw it away. Learn how to win. That's the next step for the Jaguars. How to move forward after something really good happens. And look at Baltimore. And then you turn around and you look what happened after the fact. So that's where Jacksonville is at this point. It's a, it's a very difficult team to try to figure out. And, you know, it's, uh, it can be aggravating. It can also be, you know, it, it, it can be inspiring because you don't know what to expect. You honestly do not. On paper, Dallas looks like a much better football team. Dallas allows over 30, just over 34% on defense as far as third down conversions. You know, two weeks ago, they, they took on a team that was allowing more than 50% on third down. It, it was like a historic number His, in the NFL. And, and Jacksonville went in there, and they were 3 of 12. Dallas, this is the exact opposite of what you just did yesterday in Tennessee. Dallas is outstanding against the pass. They're second in the NFL. They only allow 182 yards a game, okay? They're third in the NFL in their scoring defense at 17.6. This is a game where, on paper, you should run. They're 23rd against the run, 128.5 yards. I don't want to spend... Any more time on Dallas now because it's a victory Monday, and I do want to look back to what happened yesterday in Tennessee. But this week is huge, okay? This is as big around here as I can remember. And who in their right mind would have thought it after last week? I mean, that, that just... My rant lasted like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I was so pissed by their performance, yet somehow, somewhere, I still picked them to win. People were issuing me drug tests, telling me I'm this, I'm that. I have one guy here who's calling me a sunshine pumper. You hear that? Guy's calling me a, a Jaguar sunshine pumper. Did he listen Did he listen to the show last Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday? Uh, that's, uh, that, that's thrilling to me. You understand, that, that's like a badge of honor. For me, to, for, for you to actually consider me a Jaguar sunshine pumper. I don't think I've ever wow. been told that. Well, that was at 557. I don't know if he's actually talking about you. Oh. I think that was someone from a previous show. Oh. Well, you ruined it, man. I was supposed to, I was trying I, to make this a little bit of radio embellishment. Oh, I just, no one would ever call you that. I was kind of hoping. I was kind of hoping someone would, so I, I could have a little bit of fun with it. Uh, what's I up with you? What's every, up with you spoiling the whole bit I'm by sorry. saying it happened? Both. I was doing crosstalk at five fifty-seven. 
That oh, was definitely well, maybe me. It actually was you. Yes, it was me saying all these great things <laughs> about this team. Sorry. Maybe he'll respond and let us know who it was. It was the zero nine thirty. If you're not like pumping sunshine today as a Jags or Jacksonville radio host, what are you know, you're doing it wrong. This this is one of the few opportunities in the last couple of years when you've been able to talk up the team when like there is a big game next week. You should be excited. Trevor Lawrence, 30 of 42, 368, three touchdowns, a passer rating of 120, uh, 121.9. The offensive line, zero sacks. The offensive line did a much better job. Okay, a couple of penalties affected some things. But I was very hard on Cam Robinson last week. Cam Robinson played well yesterday. Okay, he played each and every one of the 72 snaps. He allowed one pressure. It was a better effort against this Tennessee defense. Now, let's not get lost in the fact that Tennessee was without three very key defensive players, all of which could be back for the season finale here. I mean, Danico Autry, seven sacks, didn't play. David Long, inside linebacker, leads Tennessee in tackles, did not play. Their best corner, Christian Fulton, did not play. Uh, We'll see. Going to be interesting. You know, I, I, I made this comment as well, and I'd be interested in what Jaguar fans think about this. Because when you look at the division, Jacksonville now is two out with four to go. Okay, they're five and eight. Tennessee is seven and six. You look at Tennessee's last four opponents. Okay, Tennessee has now lost three in a row, and they are absolutely reeling. Uh, they're going to L.A. this Sunday to take on the Chargers. They then play host to Houston, and for what it's worth, Houston gave Dallas everything they wanted yesterday they then host Dallas who of course comes here this weekend and then they have the season finale here in Jacksonville so they're going to be underdogs in three of those four games they will be a favorite against Houston we'll see what happens but I I think you can make the case that they could go one and three right okay you put them at one and three then all of a sudden for the season they become Eight and nine, uh, and I'm going under the understanding here now that that Jacksonville would 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 win that game at home. I don't want to get too far ahead of things because obviously this is a week to week league, and injuries are, you know, a a, a major part of all this. Uh, Jaguar fans, you know your schedule, right? I mean, we're aware of it. You got to take on Dallas this weekend. Dallas opened as a six-point favorite. There's been some Jacksonville money that's already come in on this Monday. The line, for the most part, now is down to five. You go to New York on a Thursday. All of a sudden, that becomes a, you know, if you can win against Dallas. You got that Thursday game. Short week, right? But you get to get back home for Christmas. You get to see your family for Christmas. Aren't you a little bit energized that, to head out on a Wednesday and make this a business trip, go in the New Jersey, win a football game against the Jets team right now. They played hard yesterday with Buffalo. I had it on in my bar. Played hard, okay? And, again, they're, they're not going to quit on anyone. Robert Sala's a good team. But they don't, they don't know what they're doing at quarterback. They're, they're lost right now offensively. And then you go to Houston on New Year's Day, 
and then the trip here with Tennessee. So, you know, those are the two schedules. I got to say this, though. I do. Don't dismiss Indianapolis. Don't do it. They're 4-8-1. and one. They go to Minnesota this weekend. All of a sudden, the Vikings are having a difficult time protecting Kirk Cousins. Detroit, oh, by the way, is legit. Okay? They're playing some really good football. I watched that yesterday. Detroit, I mean, Dalvin Cook couldn't do anything when it came to running the football against that Detroit defense. And offensively, Detroit is firing off of all cylinders. So if, if you look at Indy, they go to Minnesota, okay? That's a difficult game, but they are coming off a bye. And I put a lot of stock into a team who gets an extra week to rest. After that, it's home with L.A. with the Chargers. Very difficult team to figure out. They go to New York, and this time they'll play the Giants, not the Jets, but that's on a New Year's Day. Uh, again, another very winnable game. And they have Houston. So I'm just I'm just throwing it out there right now. At 4-8-1, I think you can honestly say that, that Indy will be in all four of those games. I would not pick them. I don't believe at Minnesota. We'll have to see the injury report when it gets released on Wednesday and, and, and through Friday. Uh, but with home games against L.A. and Houston, you know they're going to be favored against Houston. We'll see about L.A. And at New York, even if they're not favored, those games are going to be a field goal or less. They're going to come down to final possession or a turnover in the fourth quarter. So I just want to point that one out that I think there's a lot of talk that this becomes a two-man race. Jacksonville behind Tennessee, down two games, four to play, the head-to-head meeting at the very end of the year. Um, still keep an eye. On the Indianapolis Colts. They would basically have to win out. Yeah. Like, so if they, the, that's the good thing is that if they lose this weekend, it's a wrap. Yeah, like I'll give you that. If they lose on Four, Saturday, eight, one. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless both Tennessee, well, yeah. If they lose, they'll never catch Tennessee. What about if, if the Jags lose, if both the Jags and um, uh, the Titans lose on Sunday, you know, what? What are the chances that the Jags are still able to get into the playoffs at that point? Like, is is Sunday a must win for the Jags? No, it's not. Okay, it's not a must win, but New York and Houston are, and yes, Tennessee is, of course. So, you know, I I think most out there, and I say most when I talk about the general public, uh, when it when it comes to betting. My guess is most are going to take Dallas to bounce back. And, and and that's the worst part of this, is that Dallas really played poor football. You they, would have loved him to win 50 I know, to nothing. I know. I mean, wouldn't it, it would have been great for a 40-14 Dallas yep. win. And, and Dallas is, you know, they're looking towards the holidays. The media's and, talking about how they're one of the right. teams in the NFC that could win the Super Bowl. Or but it's, it's not the case. And, you know, they – Again, they had to put together a 98-yard drive. They were down a field goal. And they had to put that together to get the win. Let, let me find Which, this for you. by the way, the end of the game, so you have the ball 23-20 if you're Houston. Right. You have it fourth and whatever, I think three or four from the goal. It's fourth and goal. And instead of kicking it to basically say the Cowboys have to score a touchdown to win, he went for it, didn't get it. Cowboys ended up scoring a touchdown anyway. 
But to me, that was like, man, you got to kick the field goal in that situation. I mean, I, it, they did score a touchdown anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter. But I just felt like that was one of those, like, only a tanking team would do something like that. Dak Prescott yesterday was, uh, let's see here, 24-39 for 284. Uh, and one touch- of the worst picks I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, touchdown and two picks. He had a passer rating of 70.9. Boy, I thought it was worse than that. I thought it read it was 50-something. Maybe I, may- maybe these numbers aren't accurate. Again, we'll, we'll really preview Dallas uh, as we move forward in the week. But, yeah, I... I do. I feel that way more in college than I do in, in in pro because I think in pro they're professionals and it doesn't matter what happens the week before. But I, I'm with you there. It, I would have much rather have had Dallas win in a blowout than Dallas, you know, put together a drive because the media and the fans are going to be all over uh, this weekend. So you know, we'll see what what ends up happening there. And you know, on the flip side, now you look at Tennessee. All of a sudden, Tennessee has lost three in a row, and they're going to go out to Los Angeles, who got the benefit of one of the worst calls uh, again. On a, I mean, what's going on? So that was Jalen Phillips from right. Miami who plays for Miami. And right. luckily, they held on to win, and it wasn't a big deal. But at that point in the game, it was a big deal. So they sack him to basically end the drive and put him within their own like five-yard line. When he sacked him, he instantly spread his hands out and rolled to make sure that he didn't put his body weight on the yeah, quarterback. It was a terrible they call. still throw the penalty. So they're, they're basically going back and forth now. They're, they're a 500 team. They're up to 7-6. and six. But they're hot right now. You go back and forth. I mean, they lost a week ago in Atlanta. They won two – or in Vegas. They won two weeks ago in Arizona. They played Kansas City as tough as you can play them and lost 30-27. They were in San Francisco and and uh, and just barely lost that football game, 22-16. The week before that, they knock off Atlanta in Atlanta, 2017. So the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is San, Los Angeles, the Chargers, doesn't matter who their opponent is, doesn't matter if they're home and away, it's a 60-minute game. And it ends up being basically a three-point game either way. So, you know, we'll see if Tennessee uh, is able to respond coming up this weekend, but I, I think most will pick Los Angeles, and I think most will pick Dallas, and I'm, I'm not talking about the point spread. I'm talking about in, in straight-up scenarios. So, yeah, to answer your question, both teams can lose, and it doesn't have any effect on Jacksonville in their rundown of Tennessee. It just takes a game off. Instead of four left, you have three. If Jacksonville does lose to Dallas – they have zero margin yeah. for error. They have to win their next – let's say they have to win their next two and then play Tennessee. But if they lose to Dallas, man, you have to win in New York and you have to win at Houston. And, you know, the Jaguars better on the road this year, no doubt. You know, they, they have had success. Two wins. This year on the road. Yeah, and they've like won as in, many in the last two years. Right. They've won in difficult places, too. Really they won in L.A. and they won in Nashville. And, of course, they blew a big lead at Philly, and, and that was a turnover-takeaway game. The, the Jaguars in that matchup were up 14-0. They elected not to kick a, a 51-yard field goal, and so they went for it on fourth and two. And Trevor Lawrence and those elements had his first fumble of the day. Uh, it's like yesterday's game. Jacksonville's plus four. 
on the turnover takeaway ratio. That felt odd, didn't it? Do you know they have 20 takeaways this year? They had nine last year. I was about to say, I knew it was under 10. Like, you accidentally can get more than nine, just like based on luck. Like, yesterday, the Shaq Quarterman hit, and then the ball goes right into Josh Allen's. Like, they weren't getting any luck like that. No, no, you're right. As a matter of fact, when I come back, I want to talk a little bit about what Jacksonville changed up yesterday defensively. There was a variety of things, and it wasn't perfect, but it worked. They won a game. You saw more three-point stance with Trayvon Walker. You saw a change in the secondary. You saw some different looks with your front seven. And it's not perfect. It's not even close to being perfect. But it was an in-game adjustment. Uh, First off, it was a pre-game adjustment or a pre-game change and some in-game adjustments that deserves some recognition. So let's come back and do that as well. If you want to voice your opinion, you can. 641-1010. You know, we're getting a ton in here. But it's nothing like last week when I lost my mind, right? I mean, when the Jags win, it's like, eh, okay, you know, we'll, we'll wait for them to lose again, but lose more entertaining when they lose. All right, hell, the Jags win. Uh, forget it. Or maybe all you people are just in a bar. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they're already asleep from drinking. The yeah, maybe you guys are getting after it. Anyway, 641-1010, best way to do so. That is on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Speaking of bars, Thursday, Mr. Chubby's Wings in Fleming Island. Okay. I'm going to fill up that bad boy. It's going to, uh, yeah, I'm going all the way across town to Fleming Island where I actually played golf on Saturday morning. It was absolutely spectacular out there. They had some, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, help me out, JJ. The knickers, what are they called? Uh, The old golf things where they kind of roll up those. Like the pants? Yeah, but what are they called? Um, Uh, You know, it's the fuzzy foreigners wear them. It's... uh, Knickers or or and, and and you know what I you know I can see I can see that I would do that if if the event you're saying uh, that um, Dylan Denmark wears knickers when he plays Dylan Denmark did not wear knickers oh, but there were others it. out there there were others out there that did so uh, if you guys don't know what he's talking about it's like the high socks. Right. The rolled down pants, almost like a baseball. Payne outfit. Stewart. Payne, was, I was about to say Payne Stewart. The late Payne Stewart. But what are they called? I'm like, getting knickers. Yeah, um, maybe that's it. But they had one of those tournaments going on. I guess they were playing Oh, cold. you had to wear that? No, 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 no. They, they had a tournament going on, and, and we played anyway. They were, you know, I didn't tee off until around noon, and I, I want to say they started at like 8 in the morning or something like that. So they were like wrapping it up. Um, but it was, uh, it was loud out there, and it, it was kind of cool. Uh, I will say for the record, I would absolutely – if I played in a tournament like that, I would wear those. Like, I mean, you're very Irish. You weren't. Uh, you weren't around when I wore like those designer pants for Rockville. Okay, what? like tight. Like yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. I, I, they weren't tight, but they were like leather, and they oh. had they had buckles on it, and they had big uh, stars on it. And stuff like that. Uh, some people were getting on me. They're like, "Blue, I got a great pair of assless chaps for you." And I'm like, "No, that's really not kind of my thing. 
You're going to have to get some brown liquor in me if you're going to get me in a set of those. But I, I can definitely go with the heavy metal look. And I pulled that off at Rockville. But as far as this, I, I don't even know where you would get them or, or what they're called. Plus fours. Everyone's calling them plus fours. Oh. Plus fours to me is way too yuppie. I've been around the block way too many times. They're not plus fours. They're knickerbockers. Yes. There's something like that. We'll figure it out during the break. We got much more to do. He's JJ. I'm Rick Bullitt. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, I was giving you the promo. Thursday, Fleming Island, Mr. Chubby's Wings, 6 to 8. Friday, a Miller Lite party at the Bricks. And I have two. That's right, two. Jaguars Cowboys tickets, which I'll be giving away. You had to do it. I mentioned assless chaps. You had to go with my wrestling entrance on, didn't you? It's all part of my recurring dream. I have it probably once every couple of months. Speaking of assless chaps, so we found out uh, that the uh, golf tournament was actually called the Knicker Open. Yeah. Knickers. And, I think yes. it was Knickers Open. Knickers Open. Right. And I, and I can handle that name. Fleming Island Golf Club. And um, uh, congratulations to Joe and Jared, who won. And they weren't even wearing knickers, by the way. That is so awful. Yeah, it is. Uh, you should definitely be banned from that. Um, How can you play in the Knickers Open and not wear knickers? But, yeah, you were right. That is exactly what they are called. Yeah. I get I, there's so many people texting me saying plus fours. Plus we, fours, which means four inches below the knee. Same exact thing. We can't be friends. If you if wear you, a plus four. If you refer to them as plus <laughs> fours. Okay. That, I mean, that's like you people will pay $7 for a, a coffee at, uh, what is it? What do they call it? Starbucks? Yeah. Is that it? Not like us Wawa people. Go to the freaking gas station. It's been a dollar thirty nine. Oh, yeah. So I, I just. I mean, you're good people, allegedly, but I just can't do it with with Yuppieville. I, 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 and to me, plus four. Yeah, honey, can I have the credit card, please? I've got a big tournament coming up at the club. I need a new player of plus fours. <laughs> oh, my God. There's, listen, there's nothing better than... A beer-drinking, cigar-smoking golfer. There is nothing worse than an uptight, yuppie golfer. Understand? I mean, there is a fine line between you. But was that older guy ever a young... I have no idea about any of that that? stuff. You know, I have no idea. I'm just saying in general... did you start playing golf? Me, I mean, I one of my first jobs. I was a caddy when I was twelve. Oh, damn! Double okay. bags out at the Concord Country Club, right near the prison. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just did a dime in uh, in Concord, <laughs> and he's coming back out. He's already got some uh, activity there in Southie. Uh, double bags, and they would have caddy day on Monday. So you'd play? Yeah, but I was. Yeah, I. Okay. But I never played at Florida State. You know, I, I very rarely played when I got over here. In the mid '90s, I couldn't play the seven years in Chicago because I didn't see the sun for like eight months a year. Played very little there. Um, 
So I'm, I'm just getting in. I'm just getting into my golf groove now. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I you know, so let me give you that advice today because everyone's happy, right? Jaguars win. Jaguars win. Everyone's ecstatic. If you're an uppity golfer, okay, you're a complete jackass. There's there's no other way for me to say it. You are, okay? And you're not good enough for the tour. You were never good enough for the tour. And I don't care if you can bomb at 300 and you're great with your irons and you're incredible with your short game. I bet you can't putt, right? Just whatever. Give me the golfer who's not as good but enjoys his life and enjoys being out there, enjoys seeing deer, enjoys seeing venomous snakes, <laughs> enjoys seeing those the, the most awful reptiles in the world, those, the, those alligators that, that are good for one thing and one thing only. That's frying, right? And, and, and eating gator. I mean, enjoying all of that. But, oh, you know, I miss the green, and I'm going to pout, and I'm going to throw my club, and I'm going to be mean to the cart girl. Um, oh. You people are losers. You, you really are. Quickly, before we get to another subject, yeah. which we desperately need to. Yeah, we do. Um, my boss is calling. He's six, like, Rick, six, seven, Jaguars six. won. It's redundant to say assless chaps. All chaps are assless by nature, or they would just be pants. Oh. Okay. So is that kind of like like chaps? Just means like that's that's like the cowboy thing. Well, I've never worn them. My my no. wrestling entrance song. I'm wearing the the yellow banana hammock with the one <laughs> strap that comes up over one breast. You know like what I mean? The, uh, uh, C- circa like Playboy Buddy Rose in like 1978, 79, being led into the ring by the Captain Lou Albano. One of those, right? Yeah, but the Hulkster went just briefs. I got the one strap. Okay. Okay. It's it's almost like um, I don't know if I'll be able to sleep. What's tonight. a double strap called? Like uh, like a like a wife beater, like a tank top. No, like what's a... it called when when you have pants but you have the two straps oh, like farmers oh, wear? Oh, uh... the hell are they called? Someone's gonna tell. Oh, suspenders. Those, suspenders. those are plus eights, Baloo. Those are plus eights. Suspenders. Uh, yeah, kind of like. But there's a name for those. Old farmers used to wear them back in the day. You know, back in the E-I-E-I-E-I-O days, people would wear them. I, 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 I forget what they're called. I, I really do. But I'm going one strap. So overalls. Overalls, thank you. So it's not assless chaps. But, but so what I learned here today is that all chaps, all chaps are chaps. So it's kind of like when, when announcers will thing- say a grand slam home run. Oh. It's not, it can't be a grand slam home run. It's just the grand slam. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's not a Grand Slam home run. Um, so basically, they're like what cowboys wear over their jeans. Oh. Yes. Like Rip? Who? Rip. Rip? From Yellowstone. He was in I've the booth here a couple it. weeks ago with the, with the Raiders. But yes, from I, the Raiders I can family. guarantee he wears trousers or traps. Right. We, need, we, need to, uh, we need to take a break. Yes. <sighs> we do, we do, we do. Look at all of these people responding. This is a, dude, we got to, more texts to, uh, to yuppity golfers. I don't mind saying it. If you're a yuppity golfer, change. Mm-hmm. 
Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I didn't even ask. Are we on YouTube tonight? Imagine my embarrassment. We are on YouTube. All you got to do is go to 1010XL's YouTube page. We are the first video. It's in red. It says live. Give us a click. Share with your friends. Give us a like. We never get a lot of likes. We get a lot of listens. Give us a like. We get a lot of unlikes. Yeah. Give us an unlike, too. It all helps. <laughs> Jacksonville. My goodness, man. The, the ball game begins with a 10-play, 66-yard drive. They take five minutes and 51 seconds off the clock. And Jacksonville responds with a three and out. I mean, how are you feeling at that particular time? King Henry goes for 96. He had gone four consecutive games of not going over 100 yards, averaging 3.1 per, and he picks up 96 yards in the first quarter. Jacksonville makes adjustments. Jacksonville forces takeaways. He ended up with 119 yards at half. He picked up two yards in the second half. What an unbelievable they had three plays. Like, it was like the fourth quarter almost, and they're like, oh, the Titans have had three plays this half. A 29 nothing run by Jacksonville in this game. Where did that come from? 29 consecutive points. What a, what a big boy win for the Jags. And the offensive line played well. Trevor Lawrence made some plays yesterday that, you know, outside of maybe Patrick Mahomes, outside of Josh Allen, uh, you know, outside of, uh, obviously, I got to go um, with Jalen Hurts, with, uh, you, you know, who else can, can make a play like that? Is, is Herbert that agile? I don't that know. fleet I of foot? Just, probably not. Got a huge arm, but he's not exactly a statue. And what I'm talking about is when, in the offensive line, did a really good job. But he was forced up in the pocket, and he went one way, then, then he went another, and then he slid across the line, threw across his body, and threw an absolute dime to Jamal Agnew on the sideline that, that just barely got in over the defensive back shoulder. I mean, it is one of the greatest plays that I have seen. There's only a few guys in the world who can make a play like that. And he did it in that situation. Who else? You know, that, that, that's basically it. Lamar Jackson, I, I got to put him in there. Absolutely. Kyler. Kyler Murray. But, but again, with, with Jackson and Murray, they're not making that throw. They're not making that throw. No. Exactly. I mean, it's the combined package what you had here. Uh, the, the, the sense in, of understanding the pocket, moving up in the pocket, and instead of freaking out and tucking and running, I mean, Blaine Gabbert throws that ball into the first row of the stands. Gardner Minshew, a second and a half into that play, tucks and runs. Lawrence allowed this thing to evolve, and it was absolutely fantastic. All right, let's talk a little bit here about the defense because 
you know, it's not a great day for the defense. I mean, let me look at the numbers again before I get into this. Um, certainly, you know, they, they did slow down Derrick Henry in the second half. Overall, though, you look at Tennessee, 20 carries, 137 yards, right? That's an average of 6.9 per. That includes the 50-yard carry. So if you take that away, it would have been 19 carries for 87 yards. It still would have been a decent day on the ground. Jacksonville forced Tennessee out of running the football by takeaways and taking advantage of those takeaways. They got 20 points off of them, which is just spectacular. I remember last year when I was a sideline reporter and and going back and forth with Jeff Lagerman before the season finale against Indianapolis in a win or in, I believe they had either six or nine points total in 16 games off of takeaways. They got 20 yesterday. Uh, Passing the football, 254 yards. Uh, That is the number there. So let's see, total yards in this football game. um, Total yards would end up being 364. So they gave some yards. We saw yesterday Trayvon Walker, who, you know, arguably had his best game. And, 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 and this is where you are when it comes to a guy like Trayvon Walker. As soon as you spit out best game of his career, um, contrarians, naysayers, glass half empties will say, well, he took on the worst tackle in the NFL in Dennis Daly. There is some truth there. Okay. But Trayvon Walker, all season long, he has not played in a three-technique, you know, a three-point stance like he did at Georgia. He he came into this game, which would have been game number 13, right? With only 14 snaps all season with his hand in the ground. 14. I mean, that's one a game. He did it eight times. Yesterday, he had three pressures, he had two quarterback hits, he had a sack, and he had a forced fumble. You also watched him in coverage make some good plays. As a matter of fact, that one-two combination, the play he made in coverage, in a tackle, and then the very next play, when he did rush the quarterback and uh, and force the fumble, which was recovered, I want to say that one was recovered by Dewan Smoot. I mean, yes, yes, yes. That, that's what people like me have been wondering about forever. You're going to draft this guy, number one? At least allow him to do what you believe he can do. Now, he wasn't a sack guy at Georgia. He only had what? What was it, nine sacks, I want to say he had? Maybe in college, but I mean, the guy is, he's got the talent. He's got the ability to get off the line of scrimmage. So you saw that eight times yesterday. And, you know, he went out with the ankle. He only took 34 snaps. That was it. The the four defensive guys who played the entire game yesterday. Let me find that here for you. Let's see. It was Jenkins played all 67, both linebackers, Aloha Khan and Devin Lloyd. You didn't hear an awful lot about Devin Lloyd, which which to me 
I don't want to compare it to an offensive lineman or a it's, corner. It's a thing, yeah, typically when you don't hear about yeah. guys like that, it means they played okay. Um, Lloyd made some mistakes, and Doug Peterson talked about that earlier today. I also thought Lloyd did some good things. It, it It's still a work in progress for, for both of these rookies. The only other Jaguar defensive player who played all 67 plays yesterday uh, was Tyson Campbell. How about a bounce-back game for Tyson Campbell? He had his worst performance of the year last week in Detroit, okay? He was only targeted three times yesterday by Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. Zero catches on Tyson Campbell. He had three pass breakups. That's it. Nothing. Nothing on him. He shut down half the field. The other situation that that needs to uh, be discussed is finally now, finally you put Darius Williams on the other corner and you started him there next to Tyson Campbell. I mean, we've been talking out loud all year. Why is Williams inside? It's not working. Trey Herndon, who missed the last two games as a healthy scratch, became your nickel. He became your slot guy. He got 41 snaps yesterday. And, you know, the whole Mont- the whole Buster Brown situation, uh-uh, was not involved in the game yesterday. Um, who, who's the other guy I'm thinking of? The, uh, the other Campbell ended up being inactive uh, for Jacksonville yesterday. Let me see right here. He's only played a couple of games. Tavon Campbell didn't even play. Okay, two guys who had been playing, Devon Campbell a little bit, and Corey Peters on the defensive line, both were removed yesterday. You know, you brought back uh, Caleb on chase on, who only played eight snaps, had that stupid personal foul on the uh, kick return by Agnew, which unfortunately wasn't allowed. That would have really broken the backs at that particular time in the game there with Tennessee. Bad call, by the way. Yeah. Not on him, but on the uh, on the hold. The hold. Yeah. That's one of those where, like, I don't think games are fixed in the NFL, but I certainly think refs make sure games are close and that they don't become blowouts. My two cents. Yeah, it. I thought it was a bad call. I, you know, I, I, I saw the Brady to Mike Evans touchdown pass loss, and I wonder if that was a bad call. He did have both hands, you know, kind of grabbing the jersey, but I don't know how different that is from each and every play that we do see on the offensive line, it it is disappointing that we're seeing this on a week-to-week basis. We're seeing it all over the place. All you got to do is go to last night's game, you know, go to the end of that Miami-Los Angeles game. Unbelievable. But I, I liked, and, and let's see, do we have, uh, today Peterson, let's see, he talked about this. Let's see if we can find this. If, in fact, it did get cut up on... Uh, no, I guess, I, I guess we don't have it here. Uh, I was hoping that possibly, uh, we did, but it, it was a little bit of a difference. It was a major difference in, in how they were handling their, their defense and going with Williams as the other corner and going with Trey Herndon now in the slot. I mean, this team yesterday survived another week, uh, with Andre Cisco who has now missed a second consecutive game. Obviously, you're going to want him back in there this week against Dallas because they are very prolific when it comes to passing the football. They also have two guys who could end up, you know, north of 1,000 yards rushing. A lot of people think right now in Dallas, Pollard 
is actually better than Elliott and Pollard as well, catching quite a few balls out of the backfield. So, you know, as critical as I have been on Mike Caldwell, as critical as I have been on the Jaguars defense, they deserve credit for at least making some changes. The stubbornness with Todd Wash lingered around here forever, okay? And I really like Todd Wash. Big fan of him as as far I mean, he's a Harley Davidson riding. He's a man's man. I'm a big fan of him personally. But they never made any adjustments. They never made any changes. I mean, Gus Bradley and, and Todd Wash or Doug Marone, Todd Wash, it, it felt like they had the best defense and that they were going to run that defense and have at it. Well, at least the defense here now, if you go back to the game against Baltimore, they're trying different things. Okay, you had five, you know, some of the two five look um, where a guy would come up to the line of scrimmage and at times they would they, they would rush three or I, sh- I guess I should say a three five look uh, was more of it with two safeties in one corner. Um, you know, the big nickel that they played and then, you know, somewhat uh, of a four three against Baltimore, maybe not as much. Perhaps it looked a little bit more like a 4-3 than it, than it actually was. But, um, you know, we seeing what they did uh, with the three safeties and then the changes that they made in Detroit. And then, you know, you look at what you saw yesterday with Muma out and Cisco out and this football team going back to Lloyd and this football team electing now to pull back Trey Herndon, who missed games, and to go with Williams on the outside and then Herndon at the nickel, I just applaud them for trying something. And they did. How are you going to scheme this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys? That is going to be very interesting. Again, this is a high-potent offense in Dallas. For those of you who are wondering, they're third in scoring offense. They're third in scoring defense. Third. Both categories. And I'm sure you'll read this week about team offense and you'll read this week about team defense. I overlooked those numbers. To me, it's about scoring. It's about scoring offense and scoring defense. Jacksonville, the exact, they're, they're exactly at zero right now. Points for, points allowed. They're averaging 22.6 a game. They're giving up 22.6 a game. Okay? Dallas, 27.7 a game offensively third in the NFL. Dallas allowing 17.6 a game, third in the NFL. Jacksonville is zero points for points allowed. Last year, they were minus 12. They got it at zero. Dallas, they're plus 10. 27 plus, uh, 27.7, they allow 17.6. Okay, they're plus 10.1, but they're third in both categories. They're also outstanding with their third down defense. Okay. Third in the NFL as well, allowing just over 34% of third down conversions. So think about that. Jacksonville went 3-12 and last week on third down. Let me look up again before the break uh, just to make my point what the total number ended up being yesterday for Jacksonville on third down. There was 6 of 13. So, you know, that that's just below 50%. That's 46.2. And they went for it once on fourth down. They did not make it. Uh, defensively yesterday, Jacksonville was 50%, 5 of 10. Probably 
want to get better than that when you take on a team like Dallas. But still, good game here. Some stupid penalties. Nine penalties, 70 yards. And I'm just nitpicking now because there's really very little to complain about, nor do I want to complain. I mean, this was a come-from-behind victory. And again, just go to the first quarter. And this is what's so great about this year's team. They have come back from huge leads uh, in Kansas City. Made it a game. Came back certainly against Las Vegas. Came back against Baltimore. Okay? And again yesterday, down 7 nothing and down 14-7. And it's, okay, so you're saying, all right, well, no big deal, Baloo. It's only a touchdown. It is a big deal there where you've lost eight in a row. It's a big deal. I mean, give this football team credit. They fought from behind, and they turned the game around. And they did it in a variety of different reasons, a variety of different ways. This football team still needs a lot of repair. There are positions on this football team that are obvious weaknesses. But they fought hard and got a W, and that's the good news with the Jaguars. All right, when we come back, much more on this. You want to get on in, you can. 641-1010, best way for you to do so on our text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Uh, some other things in the NFL I also want to get to, also a little bit on college football. So all of that as we roll till 8 o'clock right here on this Monday. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, I'll just talk about Dallas adding OBJ. Looks like that's not going to happen anytime soon. They get a oh, familiar name from his days in Indianapolis. They signed T.Y. Hilton today. Hilton with the Colts 2012 through 2021, 631 receptions in his career. 9,691 yards and 53 touchdowns. Last year in 10 games, 23 for 331 and three touches. So we'll check the health. We'll have plenty on Dallas this week. Again, today it's Victory Monday, but I wanted to share that with you because that broke this afternoon as well. The Mike Leach story is awful. There's really no other way to say it. He is in critical condition right now in a hospital in Mississippi. Um, personally, uh, I mean, I, I, I guess what happened is, you know, it came out early that he needed a, a personal health day. Then all of a sudden news started trickling in that he had a heart issue. Then it became a massive heart attack. Um, so I, you, you know, he's, he's an odd guy. He's uh He's got a little bit of zen in him. He's got a little bit of of, uh, of mystery in him. Did you ever watch the the Friday Night Lights when he made the cameo at the gas station? The actual NBC show? <clears throat> no, I have not seen that. I think it was Friday Night Lights, right? Was that I, it? I believe you're right. I've heard of that. With the guy who um, he went on to do uh, oh, the one of the keys, Blood uh, uh it was about that family. Bloodline. Oh, I love that show. Oh, it's too. a great show. He plays like the sheriff. Or right. Something. Right. 
But he's sitting there eating a sandwich, and he's like, "We could play it. I got it right here." Yeah, what's uh, his, yeah? What's this? What's this? So actor's, he's at a gas station. Yeah, what's the actor's name though? I should know. Um, one second. I should know this guy's name. He's he's a pretty decent actor. He's most known for Friday Night Lights. Uh, uh, Kyle Chandler. Kyle Chandler, Bloodline. At the gas station, here comes the pirate, Mike Leach. Hey, do you know how to get to Lubbock? You got to take 61 up to 23. Hey, uh, Dylan, Dylan East, right? You're the coach at Dylan East. You've lost your inner pirate. Uh, you know, sword, it, have you ever heard swing your sword? You're supposed to swing your sword like this. You're swinging yours like this. I mean, uh, you've got to find your inner pirate. A lot of times things just happen for a reason. We don't know why God wants it that way, but you can't make the best out of it until you get back your inner pirate. You might be the luckiest man alive and not even know it. There you go, Michael H. That was on uh, Friday Night Light. Friday Night Lights. He's only sixty-one. It's too. It's too young. And you know, he was at Texas Tech. He, uh, I believe, he was there before Cliff Kingsbury. I want to say he, he coached, he coached Kingsbury. Yeah. Uh, Kingsbury. You know, he was there from two thousand two thousand nine. So he went from Lubbock to Washington State, right? To coach Wazoo. And then he goes to Mississippi State. Um, he, his name was always mentioned, you know, for powerhouses or Miami or, or I, Blue Bloods. I remember when Al Golden got hired, he was one of the big names that they thought were going to come down to Miami. Wouldn't have that been a hire? I would have loved to have seen what he could have done with a school like that. Of course, he had Gardner Minshew. Uh, in Washington State, right? And he had he threw the ball all over the place. I mean, he's kind of in the category of someone like a Hal Mummy, you know, one of those type of guys. But, I mean, Lubbock's an interesting town. Pullum is an interesting town. The great George Raveling once said, you know, Pullum, Washington. Um, I don't know if you can see the end of the world, but if so, it's in Pullum, Washington. And then you go to Starkville. I mean, he, he, Texas Tech has had some good years. Every once in a while, Washington State has a good year. They, they, I remember back in the days of Mike Price when they had uh, Ryan Leaf and, you know, Drew Bledsoe prior to that. Every once in a while, the, these schools, you know, the light goes on. And um, certainly Dak Prescott, those years at, at, at Mississippi State were, were pretty decent years. But let's face it, he, he was in massive rebuild at those three schools where they weren't even the top school in their state. I mean, Mississippi State dealing with Mississippi, Washington State dealing with UW, Texas Tech dealing with a variety of schools in that state. And they ended up becoming the best team in the state for a few years there. You remember that Michael Crabtree game against Texas, one of the greatest endings in college football. Absolutely phenomenal catch on the sideline, crowd comes on the field just I love that moment he uh I did a game here as a sideline reporter I want to say it was Texas Tech Virginia 
and it was in the Gator Bowl, and I want to say it was it was uh, Chris Long was a defensive end, and he was like a top three pick, and yeah, Crabtree Crabtree was on that team, and 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 everything else, um, what have you. Anyway, I I I don't know Mike Leach well. I I just don't. Again, he was far away. I mean, look at the places that he coached, but. Certainly, I was a big fan of his, uh, the offense that he put together, and certainly his comments, to me, had a lot of Bobby Knight in him. He wasn't a jackass like Bobby Knight, okay? But he he did kind of drift away uh, from some things, but we don't know what's happening right now, and everything I read is um, pretty bad. It is bad. He's in critical condition. Will you tell me earlier that you read that he went a he few went minutes like 10, without? 10 to 15 minutes without any medical help, <sighs> which, you know, probably means that even if he does live, you know, he might be brain dead depending on, you know, oxygen levels to the oxygen to the brain and all that. It's scary, man, and it's really sad. Just a guy that everybody seems to love. You never really heard any off-the-field antics about this guy, you know. Never any, like, family problems you heard about. It just sucks. But it, that's life, man. It's really... The only thing I could think of is, didn't Leach have the problem with, like... Oh, what was the... Craig James' son, where he who, kept him in the closet or something? Everybody hated Craig James, so they were like, oh, we'll let him get away with that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Craig James' son, who was a wide receiver for the team in Texas Tech, uh, he said he put him in a closet, or... <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. Yeah. I, I mean, to be a coach that long, you shouldn't dwell on that. But um, allegedly, he did lock him in a closet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just don't know. Oh, Craig James, by the way, one of the biggest uh, you talk about one of the most massive mistakes. He was with Brando and I and Bino. And it was him who was like the original game day. And then it became, and then he went to CBS, Brandon did, and it became Fowler. Thank God for that. Right. But Herb Street replaced Craig James. Craig James had that seat as a major college football analyst. Now, I don't know if it would have, if things would have taken off for him and you would have gotten the, the opportunity that Herb Street did to actually, you know, be an analyst in college football, and of course now he does the NFL. Instead, Craig James was like, I'm going to try to be a senator. <laughs> that didn't work out either. Yeah. Heisman Trophy. Uh, Le- Leach claims, by the way, that uh, real quick, that Adam walked into a darkened room himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that story was, uh, I think I was in Chicago when that story came out. If memory serves me correct, what do you have it in front of you? What year was that? Like uh, early 2000s? 2013. That was 2013. No, they, no, this is 2009. Okay, so this was he was fired uh, by the university after being accused of mistreating Adam James. So that's why he eventually had to leave. I didn't. I didn't yeah. realize that's why he left. Hmm. I'm. I haven't read his book, which is called Swing the Sword. I have a feeling I'm gonna. He loved the pirate thing. He did. Yeah. Oh, he's an he's an interesting guy. We had him on XL Primetime multiple times, and he's a great interview, but he's also a terrible interview. Well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's hit or rambles. miss. Yeah. He's hit or miss. 
they, or just ramble about something yeah. incoherently for like 10 minutes that we didn't even ask them. Sometimes it'll be fun, but sometimes you're just like, what the hell is he on about? But I uh, hope he missed. Uh, well, I hope, um, I hope a miracle happens. Sad story. Heisman Trophy, really very little theater to there. I, I think the people missed out on uh, Stroud uh, as far as the voting process was concerned. For the record, that's exactly how I voted it. One, two, and three. I, I did vote for Caleb Williams. Uh, Georgia, a little bit of pushback. Uh, listen, Stetson Bennett is a phenomenal football player. He just, the numbers don't support it. And they have to. There's no other way around it. You, you have to put up numbers. And, you know, Georgia's been so good that they get out and they get leads. And, you know, I I put a lot of consideration in the Stetson Bennett. I, I remember when Tennessee came in and played that game. And in the first quarter, the arm strength that he had in that game for Georgia, some of the passes he made in that game, I was like, damn, I didn't know he had that in him. I thought he threw the ball you know, really well. So for me, it was, it was difficult because all of these quarterbacks lost their last game outside of Stetson Bennett. I'm like watching what Caleb Williams did against UCLA and Notre Dame. I was like, that's it. You know, he's got my vote. And then the second half stinker against Utah, which a lot of that was on his defense. The Trojans defense couldn't stop anyone. You know, Ohio State, Stroud has the numbers. Stroud had, uh, I thought, the attention, but you lose by three touchdowns at home to Michigan. Uh, that leaves a bad taste. Well, a lot of voters look at that mouth. game as like, that's your only game of the year, you know, nope. for both teams. Can't lay an egg in it. Dugan was intriguing for me. He really was because, you know, when they were making that comeback and they were down eight and they came back and they scored, and then they made the two-point conversion – and, you know, I've heard people argue about third down during overtime. Did he get in? Did he not get in? Whatever the case, um, it, it was a, a really good year, and I, and I did vote him second. But, you know, I guess I'm as guilty as everyone else. It just the name recognition and the team and the numbers that he put up, if they had won that game, I really would have considered voting. As a matter of fact, I was saying to myself, if he wins here, I'm going to vote him one. But he didn't win. So I ended up voting him number two. And, and of course, those three, uh, well, outside of Caleb Williams, uh, those two will, will end up playing uh, Who finished second? in the final four. That was Dugan. Okay. I believe. And I guess I forgot. Um, all my attention being on uh, yeah, Dugan, you know, who won uh, it. I, I want to say it was uh, Dugan second, right? Um, Max Dugan was second place. Yeah. C.J. Stroud third, Stetson fourth. You know we got bowl games this week? We have a Gator bowl game this week. We have bowl games coming up this week. Unbelievable. I mean, Army-Navy. Oh, and, and, and let me just add a second on this for Army-Navy. As bad as I felt, what was the young man's name? Was it Ward who had the fumble or Hall? I think it was Hall Jr. who had the fumble at goal line for, for Navy uh, against the Army. I felt, I felt bad for the young man. 
but wasn't it wasn't it cool in in one way to see emotion to see how important that game was and and is to everyone involved because it drives you crazy as a Jag fan and an NFL fan to see you win and you saw what it was like yesterday, the jubilation, or you lose, and, you know, they meet at the midfield, and they shake one another's hands and grabbing one another and smiling. And and I understand it's their livelihood, and it's it's their profession, but it bothers a lot of people. It bothers me that you see stuff like that in pro football. I felt bad for that kid literally rolling on the ground, bawling on the ground. But, man, it just... It reeked of emotion. It reeked of uh, of importance of what that game actually meant. So, and and uh, on the Jags front, I know it's easy to make fun of because you're Jags fans and you hate the Titans and everything. Uh, the guy crying in the locker room yesterday obviously was banter for everyone here at Tenson XL. But I loved that. I loved that a guy actually cared enough that he was playing terribly that his team lost an important game. And it rare. meant something to him. Very rare, especially in the NFL. Yeah, it looks goofy, a man crying, but I'm into it. You know, we we saw that here with Jalen. Absolutely. And, and Jalen Ramsey, you, you don't get a lot of that. And, you know, frankly, I wish there was a little bit more because it, it, it shows everyone that you care, right? It shows that you care. Florida State got a big pickup uh, today. They got the tight end in the transfer portal. Out of South Carolina, Jaheim Bell. I spent the weekend doing a lot of uh, you know research, going back, watching whatever on stuff that it's not like I went and did film study th- things that were um, you know viral and that were out there on all of these transfer portal players. I I looked at and this kid Bell is very very interesting. He had eighty carries as a tight end kind of LaVisca Chenault-like. You know what I mean? I mean, you see wide receivers get carries. You don't often see tight ends. So I'm assuming this guy's a little carries. slimmer. Right. He's like 232 pounds. You know what they're comparing him to? I saw Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. Without the off-field stuff, of course. And and Florida State has, I can't even remember the last tight end you guys have had. I mean, this would be huge for y'all's offense. Yeah, the McDonald kids played okay. The last few four years for FSU, you probably got to go back to uh, Nicholas's son, Leary. Yeah. Oh, yep. Oh, um, O'Leary, the guy who yep. got in a motorcycle accident. He did get in a motorcycle accident. Scary accident. Jeez. Yeah. You know they had a decent player a couple of years ago who transferred for one season last year to Georgia, and he ended up getting drafted. I want to say in like the fifth or sixth round. I don't know why. I can't remember his name. Um, but he was, he had a pedestrian type career at FSU. And, you know, with all the talk of Jermaine Johnson coming from Georgia to Florida state, uh, this particular young man went from Florida state to Georgia and ended up getting drafted, but I'll figure out who that is during the break. We'll put our final touches on this one. We'll take you up till eight o'clock tonight. Get you ready for hacker nation who takes over at eight. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. The only bad news for Jacksonville is with their win, they fall to number 11. 
in the 2023 NFL Draft. So, there's that. We have bowl games coming up this weekend. My gosh, two on Friday, Miami of Ohio, UAB. That's at 11.30 on a Friday. Morning? I went to a... Or uh, night. I went to a place the other day. I had a lunch meeting. It was an early lunch meeting. It was with my good friend Brian Rose at Remedy. And I was walking out, and someone yelled, and I turned around, and I knew the bartender, and I knew a couple of people sitting there. But I was around... It was a quick lunch. I was around 11.30, and there's no way that this was beer number one for any of these guys. I I marvel over professional drinkers who get up and on a weekday are like, let's get after it. And they're there by 11 o'clock drinking booze. Mac, I, I, you know, I could see that during vacation. I could see that, it, you know, if you're going to the beach or you're, you're playing weekend golf. But midweek at 11 a.m.? Good life for a lot of people. Some people's weekends are during the week. You know, like if you work in the service industry, you're never getting off Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, like, your weekend might be like Tuesday and Wednesday. That I could see. But, uh, yeah, I I love people like that. By the way, UAB hired Trent Dilfer last week. I saw that. That's a very intriguing hire to me along, like, the Dion route. Um, Obviously less of a big name. Yeah. But uh, this is in Nassau. So this is the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, UTSA will take on Troy on Friday as well. Yeah, there was another buddy there who who was um, really good friends with my buddy who passed over a year ago, Jim Cain, who I referred to as the godfather. And he's like, he's a consultant now. And he's like, yeah, I just kind of had an off day. I was done with everything, so I didn't have anything to do. So I came up here. I'm like, I'm like, bro, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm I'm not 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 even saying anything. Okay, I'm just like, but it's 11 o'clock. Like he's rationalizing to you why it's okay. It's 11 o'clock on a Wednesday, and, and, and you already got your elbows buried into the bar. Love it. I mean, it's, 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 uh, yes, yes, it's yes, yes. beer. As soon as I retire, you know, and I don't ever want to retire, they're going to have to, they're going to have to throw me out of here, but that sounds like a good life. Saturday, you got Cincinnati and Louisville. Then you have Florida. In Oregon State at two thirty on a Saturday, oh, at least they get a Las Vegas trip on it. Two thirty, unless this is wrong. Okay, you're right. Two thirty Saturday afternoon, Florida, in Oregon State. I, I, again, right. if this was a regular Saturday, Miami UAB, nope. Miami of Ohio here, UTSA Troy, nope. Cincinnati Louisville. Ugh. I mean, as great as Cincinnati has been, they made the Final Four a year ago. Malik Cunningham, when healthy, makes Louisville at least somewhat of an entertaining watch. Maybe a tiny bit there. But if you were to tell me this Saturday, you got me lined up for a great tea time. If my my choices are play golf or sit home and watch Cincinnati-Louisville, I'm going to play golf. Florida-Oregon State. All right. I'll give you that. Beavers have had a good year. They're 9-3. Washington State, Fresno State, nope. On Saturday, Rice Southern Miss, nope. On Saturday, SMU BYU, nope. On Saturday, and North Texas Boise State on Saturday. Damn, no. It's like eight games. No. I mean, kind of like professional drunks. You got to be a professional gambler 
or a fan of one of those schools to watch these games. We got but three NFL games on Saturday. Yeah, we do. Yeah, one Thursday, one tonight, including New England, Arizona, coming up in 15 minutes. One on Thursday, three on Saturday. He's JJ. I'm Rick Ballou. We'll talk tomorrow after Helmets and Heels. Hacker Nation is next. <laughs> 